I know as we uh, worship together this morning, we are a few days past the Thanksgiving holiday. And Thanksgiving in the past has been a day that we set aside to give thanks to God for His many blessings. It's also been for most of us a time of gathering with family or maybe even friends and enjoying some time together that can often be hard to have uh, during the rest of the year when it's always so busy. And so it's always good to have that time where we just stop and get with our family or get with our friends. If Unfortunately for many of us this year, though, the holiday was a little different. Maybe you didn't get to gather with family as you wanted, and quite frankly, some had a hard time finding a reason to be thankful, all right? Anybody in that category? I know many people had to kind of sedate their, you know, Thanksgiving celebrations just a little bit, and so they found it hard this year to be as thankful as in years past. In fact, maybe instead of giving thanks, you instead were grieved over the fact that you couldn't gather with family, or you felt crushed by the many months of isolation. Maybe you were a little bit overwhelmed by the uncertainty about the future because your business has been affected by the pandemic, and you don't know what the next year is going to hold. Maybe you were burdened because of the vision you see in a country or overwhelmed by a recent tragedy in the family. I know I probably haven't hit everything this morning, but most of us have probably had something in our life that we've looked and said, this year of all years was just a little bit more difficult to give thanks. Thanksgiving, if you were honest, you would say, again, it's a little bit harder than normal. If that is the case for you, here's what I hope is going to happen. I hope today that you'll see that we still have many reasons to be thankful. Yes, this year it may have been a little harder to give thanks, but listen, I hope you don't lose hope. What I hope you to do today is look to God and realize He has given you reason to be thanks. Now, give thanks. Here in the Scripture, in the book of Isaiah, it records the ministry of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah is one of the most known prophets of all the Scriptures, and some, in fact, consider him the greatest prophet that, that Israel has ever had. God sent prophets to his people to speak for him and often to confront people with their sin and rebellion. And because a prophet's role was mainly a confrontational role, prophets were not necessarily popular people. How many of you like people who confront you when you've done wrong? No takers on that? No. I mean, I don't like it when people confront me with wrong, and I don't like it when I have to confront somebody with wrong. But nonetheless, here was Isaiah. He was faithful to God in delivering the message that he had for the people, even though it was difficult. So if you read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, here's what you see. You see Isaiah laying out God's warning of judgment on the people. These words were meant to help the people recognize their sin and turn But the people regularly disregarded those words and continued to rebel. And because of that rebellion, God's people suffered defeat at the hands of their enemies. They were even at one point sent into exile into Babylon, into the wilderness, so to speak. And like many people who find themselves suffering as a result of sin, they had a hard time understanding of why they were suffering so much. God's prophet had the difficult ministry of trying to help the people understand their suffering, the difficult job of confronting the people with their sin, but again, they needed to hear this message. Now, because of the people's suffering, they often felt overwhelmed. I mean, they even wondered at times about God's love for them. And isn't it amazing how people can turn their backs on God and suffer but still be mad at God? But that's how it often works, and that's how they respond. And so as Isaiah lays out God's judgment to his people in the first 39 chapters, we're seeing a people who are overwhelmed, a people who say, I don't know that we got reason to give thanks because we're supposed to be God's people, but we're suffering. However, beginning in chapter 40, what we see is this, the tone begins to change. Beginning in chapter 40, we really see Isaiah speak words of comfort to God's people, and we will see 
He's going to give them four reasons to give thanks today. Something that we're going to need to hear ourselves to help us give thanks. Look at how the chapter starts, Isaiah 40, verse 1. It says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, as we look at these first two verses, we're going to see this, that even though the people had suffered so much, that God still deserved their thanks, that God deserves our thanks because he forgives sin. And think again about the background. The Israelites had been suffering because of their sin, most likely even angry at God. And God says to Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to them. See, just those first few words begin to set a positive tone. You can sense in these words God's care and God's love for his people. God doesn't, doesn't rejoice in the suffering of his people. In fact, I'm going to say this. God doesn't even enjoy punishing his people for their sin. Loving parents can understand this desire by God to comfort his people because when parents punish a child, they might even go into the next room even and cry because they, they find it hard to punish their child because they don't like to do it. It breaks their heart. In fact, there were times when my children were little, if I had to punish them or I had to have a hard conversation with them, a difficult conversation with them, then I would often go back to them and I would hug them and I would let them know something. I would let them know that I still love them and let them know that even what they had done, even when it was wrong, it didn't change my love for them. I I wanted to comfort them. This is in essence what God is doing through Isaiah, letting his people know that he still loves them. Even though he had to punish them, it didn't mean he didn't love them. Now, after this tender moment, God has Isaiah go on to tell the people that their warfare has ended. In other words, their severe trial was ending. Those words, too, would have been comforting because just to know that suffering has ended brings great relief. Think about this. How do you think all of us are going to feel someday when somebody stands up and says, the pandemic is officially over? Are we going to be excited? We're probably all going to shout, right? If we're together, yeah, amen, big amen to that, right? That's what we're going to do, all right? So that's how the people feel. When when God comes and has Isaiah say, listen, your warfare has ended. This time of suffering over. They were going to be excited. Isaiah's words would have no doubt had been well received by the people who had been suffering. But now what God told Isaiah to say next was even the best part. When God proclaims that her iniquity has been pardoned, he is making a huge statement about his grace. He is saying that he is willing to forgive them for all that they had done. Now, some people want to debate the phrase, she has received from the Lord's hand doubled for all her sins, and wonder what does that mean? Some look at it and say that God had sent punishment that was twice as much as what their sin was, so that now that they're, in a sense, their sin was paid for. Others look at this as saying that Israel had received twice the grace as what they had deserved. In other words, that God's forgiveness was doubled what they deserved for their sin. One commentator said that this actually refers to an old Eastern custom where when someone couldn't pay their debts, that the creditor would write the amount on a piece of paper and nail it to the person's door who couldn't pay their debt so that everyone would know that the person who lived there had not paid their debts. However, if someone came along and paid that man's debts, or if that man paid their debts himself, then the creditor would come back and double the paper over and nail it back to the door saying that the debt had been paid. Now, I I don't know which one of those is exactly right, but here's what I do know. God reveals himself to us as a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Hopefully, y'all remember that from last week's message, right? We saw that last week. 
So however this is specifically to be taken, the main principle is the same, that God is saying to Israel, your sins are forgiven. And what comforting words this had to be for the people, that their sin had been paid for and that forgiveness had been found. This would clearly call for the people to give thanks to God, to know that their sin was paid for, had to bring great rejoicing to the people. Now, that alone would be great news, but folks, there's even more. Because God also deserves our thanks because of this. He gives hope through our trials. Look at the next few verses. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, as you read these verses, it's easy to get a picture of what's being painted here. It's clear that what is happening is that the difficulties are being overcome. Valleys are lifted up, mountains and hills made low. Uneven ground will be leveled and rough places plain. We often speak of life in such terms, do we not? We say things like, you know, well, I'm just going through a valley right now. Or we say, it seems like there's just a mountain always in front of me. It's hard to climb. Or things just are going rough right now in life. These verses speak of these obstacles being gone and the way being made straight. Now, I'm going to show my age here this morning, but I I remember when the old Highway 210 going from Hodgenville to Campbellsville was a very difficult road to drive on. Anybody else old enough to remember that? I I remember, I mean, it was one hill and curve after the other. I mean, it was just a windy, twisty, curvy road. But about 30 years ago, I remember they began to change that road. I, in fact, at that time, I was driving a truck for Elizabethtown Wind Air Company, and I had to make regular trips to Campbellsville. It seemed on each trip, the road would be in a different place than it was the time before. When the last time I went, there was a curve. Now it was straight. In fact, one time I remember driving on the road and it was different than the time before. And this time I was driving on the road up here and I looked down and the old road was down there because a valley had been filled in. And if anybody knows Highway 210 now, that road is so straight, most people consider it like an interstate highway, right? Because they don't drive 55, they drive about 70, right? All right, you can drive 70, they'll still pass you. You know what I'm talking about? Y- y'all know, right? That, that curvy, highway, trippy road that was straight and rough and all that was made straight. It's an illustration of what Isaiah is saying here. He's saying to the people in a difficult situation, I want you to know there is a better day coming. Things may seem rough right now. It may be hard right now, but he's saying things are going to be made straight. It's going to be easy in the days ahead. And I want to even say to our people, in our day, when things are tough, I want you to know there are better days coming. There are better days coming. Now, before we leave this, though, let's understand the fullness of what is being said. Ultimately, there's a better day coming because the Lord is coming. We shouldn't overlook the fact that what Isaiah is saying is that there is a straight way being made for the Lord. It is a highway for our God. He also said that when this new way comes, the glory of the Lord will be revealed. In fact, if you look closely at these words in verses 3 through 5, they are more than likely ultimately referring to an ancient practice of an ambassador preparing the way for the coming of the king. And what we need to see clearly is our hope is not so much in the way being made easier as it is by the fact that the king arrives, that the king comes to get everything under control. Isaiah was telling the people of Israel, be hopeful because God is coming to rule and all will be well. Therefore, we can give thanks to God because he comes even to rule in our times of difficulty. In fact, today, hear me, 
Our hope is not going to lie in things getting easier. Our hope is going to lie as God comes to rule. You hear me? You see, Israel could give thanks because God was coming to take rule and be in control. And even though they may have been captive to the Babylonians, Isaiah was saying, it's okay. You can be calm because God is coming. He's going to rule once again. And because God is going to be on his throne, all will be well. Now, as we continue in Isaiah, the next verses build upon this pointing us to God coming to rule. Look what verses 6 through 8 say. A voice says, cry. And I says, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. See, here was Isaiah speaking to the people who had suffered at the hands of an enemy. And these words remind them that all people, including all nations, are temporary. The Israelites could have confidence, for example, because even though they were captive to the Babylonians, the Babylonians were temporary. They weren't going to last forever. Know this, folks. We are all temporary, right? However, they could give thanks to God, and we can give thanks to God because His Word stands forever. God wanted the people to know that what was going on in their lives was only a temporary situation. Their desperate state wouldn't last forever. And what they needed to do was consider God's word and remember that it is his word that lasts forever. Maybe he wanted the people of Israel to remember the words of God in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Most of you have heard these before, but listen again. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Isaiah could have had the people of Israel pointed back to this promise of God and said, people, I want you to know that promise of God, it still stands. God is still saying to his people, if you will turn back to me, if you'll cry out to me, if you'll turn from your wicked way, I'm still going to hear from heaven and I'm ready to hear their land. That promise has not changed. Or maybe Isaiah was pointing them back to the words he shared earlier, such as in chapter 30 of Isaiah where it reads, therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. Listen, or, those are great words, right? <laughs> those are words of comfort. Or maybe Isaiah 32, 1, where he says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in peace. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock, rock in a weary land. You see, both of those passages were reminding God's people of God's care for them. Isaiah had already brought those words of hope to the people. And he was saying, listen, in the middle of this difficult time, don't even forget the words that I shared with you because God's word stands forever. Those things are still gonna come true. God is still ready to send you his mercy. God is still ready to come and be a shelter for you from the storm. He is ready to bring you streams of water in a dry land. He says, I want you to know God's words are still true, all right? So listen to what God has said and know that God can be trusted. Now, again, no doubt the things I've mentioned so far are things to be thankful for. But in the next verses, we find another reason to give thanks. God deserves our thanks because he shepherds his people. Now look at verses 9 through 11. Go on up to a high mountain, 
O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arms rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. These words most assuredly would have been welcome words to the Jewish people. This was a call now for all the people to climb to the mountain and to proclaim God's victory. You see, herald of good news could be translated to preach good news. And what were they to preach? Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. In other words, they were to proclaim, they were to preach. God is in charge and he is making everything right. That's good news, is it not? Now, I love, though, the last part where it says he will tend his flock like a shepherd. The imagery of a shepherd is such an appropriate image for God. Sheep are animals that are not very bright, and they're not able to defend themselves. They need a shepherd to guide them in the right way, and they need a shepherd to defend them from their enemies. Go back and read the 23rd Psalm, and you will see that God, our great shepherd, does all things for us, all the things that we read there and so much more. The death of his love, though, is described when it says this here in Isaiah, that he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Picture a young child being carried by his parents by her parents in, in their arms. I, I can do that now. Having a granddaughter six months old, it's not hard for me to picture her being carried in the bosom of one who loves her. In fact, I'll say this, I've carried her there before, all right? I've carried her, I've embraced her, I've held her, I've comforted her, I've rocked her. It is a tenderness that even some of the toughest men understand. Even some very tough dudes can take a young child in, in their arms and, and take her and hold her very gently and care for her, caring for that child in its helpless state. Folks, that is how God cares for us. Or then take the image that he mentioned of a pregnant mom who's being gently taken care of. He talked about those who are with young and how they're taken care of. I've seen a, a man who's getting ready to be a father for the very first time treat his wife with such tender care. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, come here, honey. Here, here, sit down. All right, be careful as you sit down, honey. All right, come here. Oh, I, I don't want you to fall. Let me. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because th th that man is so concerned for his wife who's with child. He's going to make sure to take every, care of her every need and to make sure nothing happens to her. That's how God describes himself as a God who loves us in that way, who cares for us so much. He is there to guide us and to gently take care of us. That is God. He will shepherd his people. He will take care of us. All right. Now, let, let's pause and let's ask this question for a second. In these 11 verses that I've shared, how do you think the people of Israel feel, felt after Isaiah shared those 11 verses? Do you think those 11 verses made them feel better? Yes or no? It should have, right? All right. They should have been reassured. They should have had hope because they looked back and said, oh, our, our God cares for us. Our God's going to forgive us. I, I mean, our, our God has, has told us the time of our suffering is even ending, and he is going to shepherd us. He's done all those things. It should have done all those things. In fact, let's go back to the first words of the chapter. What was God's desire for the people and what Isaiah was to share? Look at verse 1 again. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. These words should have been comforting to the people. A people suffering could look to God and know that he loves them, he cares for them, and he's working to deliver them. Likewise, let me say this to all of you who are gathered here this morning. Ready? 
we can be thankful for the comfort that God gives us today. And if maybe you look back at this preacher and say, well, preacher, what comfort does God give us? Okay. Well, we've been looking now for a number of weeks of how God's plans are unbroken. And so I will say this, you ready? God comforts us the same way that Isaiah mentions here in these first 11 verses of chapter 40. We may not be in the same circumstances as the Israelites when Isaiah wrote, but we need the same things that they did. First, we need God's forgiveness of sin. Most know Romans 3.23, right? Where it says, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. I can say this, that even a pandemic reminds us that we need God's forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying this, all right? I'm not saying that this pandemic is necessarily a punishment of God for our sins. He's not given me such a word. So I'm not going to stand up here and say that this pandemic is a punishment of God. But here's what I can say. Scripture teaches us this, that all suffering is a result of sin all suffering as a result of sin. And so I know even this suffering is a reminder to us as God's people that we need forgiveness of sin because when sin entered the world, suffering ended and therefore all suffering reminds us of our need of God and his forgiveness. The good news is this, that God today is still forgiving sin. Isaiah was to proclaim to the people God's forgiveness for all that they had done. We can look at the Apostle Paul speaking about his vision from God when God gave him his calling. And God said this to Paul in Acts 26, 17. I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive what? Forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul was called to do the same thing as Isaiah, to proclaim God's forgiveness because God is still forgiving sin today. In fact, if I were to find God's call on my life, and if I were to find God's call on all believers' life, our call is this, to proclaim that God still forgives sin through Jesus Christ. We are to proclaim that, that our God forgives because people need forgiveness and our ultimate hope for the world and the reason for each of us that we can have to be thankful even in the midst of our difficulties is the fact that God still does forgive us of our sins. Now, we also have hope, though, through our trials. Remember Isaiah talked about the straight way being made? Listen to Mark chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet... Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You see, the words of Isaiah are quoted here in Mark to remind us that ultimately the words of Isaiah were fulfilled in John the Baptist who was sent to prepare the way for Jesus and his ministry. We know that Jesus came to provide for us forgiveness of sin. But beyond that, folks, I want you to know this, that Jesus came to give us hope through our trials. Jesus said this in John 16, 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have what? Overcome the world. Jesus provided not only the hope of forgiveness, but the strength to endure and to overcome any trial any tribulation we face in life. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Jesus is our hope for surviving a pandemic. When one looks to Jesus and the hope that he brings, he provides the grace needed to endure as we look forward to the day when Jesus comes again and makes everything right. Because let's remember the words in Isaiah brought hope, 
mostly not because the difficulty would end, but because the king was coming to rule. Jesus, the king of kings, has come, and he is coming again, and that should bring us all hope through our trials. If you look to Jesus, he can strengthen you. He can guide you. He can comfort you now and forever. Give thanks that there's hope in your trial as you look forward to the day when Jesus comes again, and guess what? All is made right. Then give thanks because of this, because we know God's word stands forever. Let's not forget that John 1.1 reminds us of this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In other words, folks, hear what I'm saying. Jesus is the ultimate word of God. He was there in the beginning, speaking the world into existence. He is the word of God that came in flesh to die for sin, to offer us life from death. He is the word of God that lights our way. And he is the word that will speak for all eternity. And here's what Hebrew tells us about Jesus, the word of God. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Forever. And when we open up the scriptures and when we read of the life of Jesus and know all that he did, you need to know that he can still do all of that today. When we look and see the hope that Jesus offered and the words that Jesus himself taught, we know that all still apply to us. Jesus will never change. Let me tell you this, in a world where everything seems to change so rapidly and where nothing anymore seems to be certain, it's good to know that there is something that stands forever. It's good to know that we can trust in Jesus now and forevermore. Be thankful that God's word stands forever. And in fact, let me encourage you this, read God's word, get to know God's word, get to know Jesus, the word of God, because the more you know this and what's written here, the more hope and peace you have in times of uncertainty because this stands forever. And then, folks, be thankful that God is still shepherding his people. God is still the good shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. If you need comfort and hope today, please do this this afternoon. Go back and read the 23rd Psalm and know what the psalmist declared about God in that psalm still applies today. If you need your soul restored, he's there to restore you. If you need to be led by some still waters, he's ready to lead you there. He can take you to the green pastures today. If you're, he can provide for your every need. Go back and read. And if you wonder how I know that God is still the shepherd and he's still shepherding his people, I will say first because Jesus himself said he was the good shepherd, even to the point that he said this in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God shepherds us to the point that Jesus laid down his life for us. That's how much he cares. When at times we wonder if anyone cares, God's word proclaims loud and strong that he cares for us. He cares so much, he died to save us. In fact, there is a day coming when those who trust in God as their good shepherd, that they will experience something great. This experience is described partly in the words of John in the book of Revelation as he got a glimpse of the things to come. As he looked and saw a great multitude there in heaven that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches and in their hands, and they were crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. He saw these things, saints who had come through the tribulation, and this is what he saw in Revelation 7, 17. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. 
And he will guide them to the springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. You see, John saw in the end that our good shepherd will guide us to the springs of living water. And he will wipe away every tear from the eyes of those who love him. Because God is the good shepherd today. And God intends to be the good shepherd for all of eternity if we will let him be our good shepherd. And when I look at that promise, I think what a great promise and what a great reason to give thanks today. Believers know in the end, all will be well and God will wipe every tear from our eye. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. You see today, if you are a believer, God indeed wants to comfort you. And as he comforts you, you can be thankful that God forgives sin, that God gives hope through trials, that God's word stands forever, and that God shepherds his people. Let me ask you today, which of those words do you need? Maybe this morning you need to be comforted because why? Because there is sin in your life that's overwhelming you. Let me remind you, God has provided forgiveness for that. Jesus Christ died to forgive you of your sin and to give you hope. And if today sin is overwhelming you and you're burdened down for sin, I want you to know today you can give thanks because God is ready to forgive if you will turn to him. Maybe today we're in the midst of this difficulty in life or you have another trial going on in your life and you need hope. I want you to know there's hope for whatever trial you're going through if you'll let God come and reign in that moment. Because what God can do is provide for you in that trial. He can comfort you in that trial. He can provide, give you the direction, everything you need if you'll look to him. But let him come rule in your life because when he comes, the way is made straight. Turn in the midst of your trial to the Lord and find hope. Or maybe today you just need words of comfort. I want you to know God's word stands forever. And if again, as I said a while ago, if you'll pick up this word and you'll read it, what God is ready to do to you, for you today is give you the word that you need that will provide you the hope, that will provide you the comfort. And I, as I said earlier, I'll say it again. When you read it here, take it to the bank because God's word stands forever. It will not change. And this morning, if you are just lonely and you're walking through life and you're wondering if you can make it, I want you to know this. God is a shepherd who is ready to come and to comfort you. God is that God who wants to come and take you in his arms and hold you and carry you and let you know it's going to be okay. He wants to guide you and direct you and provide for your every needs if you will turn to him. And so today, if you feel alone, if you feel hopeless and you feel helpless, my hope today is that you'll turn to God, the good shepherd, and you will let him care for you because he is standing ready, waiting for you. You see today, God is ready to comfort. Are you reaching out for that comfort today? And if you'll look to him, what I know is today, you have much to be thankful for. In fact, my prayers, and when we leave here today, that we'll leave with God's thanks upon our lips and saying, God, I'm thankful for all that you've done for me. And you'll take comfort in all that God has done. Would you pray with me? Father, we bow into your presence today. We bow into your presence as a people, Lord. I know that as we come today, we are suffering. We're suffering in our own ways. Maybe collectively we're suffering through a pandemic, but Father, individually we have our own pain that we brought to this place, our trials, our difficulties. And Father, because of that, so many even gathered here today in this place and even listening online have been having a hard time giving you thanks. They've been having a hard time finding hope. But my prayer today is as we've looked into the scriptures and we've looked at the words even that Isaiah had for, that, for your people suffering then, it was pointing them to the many reasons they had to give thanks that, Father, we could look at those words today that have not changed and know today that we still have many reasons to give thanks. 
And we have many reasons to be comforted. Above all, because you're a great God who is our good shepherd, who wants to come and guide us and to take care of us. And so this morning, as we come to a time of invitation, my prayer would be that our eyes would be lifted to you and we would see you and see the reasons that we have to give thanks and we would not leave here a people overwhelmed. That in fact, we'd leave here a people who is comforted and a people who are rejoicing in your goodness. And God, as I pray this prayer, Lord, I know I, I pray it even foremost for me because, Father, I know it's so easy at times to get my eyes off of you and get my eyes on the trouble and the difficult around me. And, Father, in those moments, I have a hard time myself giving you praise. And so, Father, if nothing else, I pray this for me. Help me, Lord, to get my eyes upon you. And if there's any others like me, Father, I pray that they would do the same, that they would take their eyes off the world and off the trouble, off the suffering, and look to you, a God who's given them so many reasons to be thankful today. And let your praise return to our lips and let your comfort and hope return to our lives today. And so speak to us during this invitation, God. Comfort your people, I pray. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.